Hi, and welcome to the Frugal Debt-Free Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Sin, and I am passionate about teaching you how to live a frugal, debt-free life. My family paid off $36,000 in debt in two years on one very small income. We've stayed debt-free for eight years, and I like to tell you how we did it in a real, authentic, and non-judgmental way because we have to go our own way, make our own path. Life does not always fit inside of a cash envelope. Today, we're going to be talking about 22 things to do or not to do with your money in 2022. So let's go. Anyone else feel like they've run a marathon, a backpack with a toddler in it? That's how I feel right now. Like I'm just dragging myself across the finish line. Although I don't feel, to be honest with you, like the hopefulness that I felt when 2020 ended thinking, oh, 2021 is going to be better. And you know, this year was a was really a mixed bag for our family. We had a lot of really big blessings. We got to travel, we got to have new experiences, and we had a lot of bad things happen. We had just some unexpected life events happen that threw us for a loop and we had to make big decisions really fast and big changes really fast. And so like all of us, we had super high highs and very low lows and I'm just kind of holding everything loosely. I didn't set the goals like I usually do. I just picked a few things that I wanted to focus on. But I'm not even going to be sharing my goals this year because I feel compelled to move in silence, if that makes sense. The first thing in 2022 is to stop judging yourself for mistakes you made before you knew better. It's really easy to look at your past self to look at money mistakes that you made before you were taught or before you knew how to find the information and beat yourself up over choices that you wouldn't make now. But here's the thing about many of these situations. Those choices were a product of the circumstances that we were in. And a lot of times we made decisions based on the information that we had at the time. No one knows the future. No one has a crystal ball. We all have to prepare ourselves the best that we can. And so if you are cleaning up a messy financial past, take a deep breath, forgive yourself, and move on. Number two, understand that you are smart enough to learn new things. It is not too late for you to make good choices and to seek out good information You know, you're watching this on a computer or a phone that has access to the internet and any question that you could have about personal finance can be answered in a simple Google search. One of my favorite places when I have a financial question is Investopedia. It is free and there is a wealth of information on there. And that leads me to number three, follow people, learn from people, surround yourself with people, who make good decisions. And that can be people in your own life. It can, you know, it may mean taking a hard look at what your inner circle is. And I'm not saying to abandon people, but if you're constantly being bombarded by negative messages from people who pull you down, from people who aren't meeting their goals, they're not going to encourage you to meet your goals. Oh, surround yourself with good people who are going to uplift you, but also fill your mind with good, uplifting content. So some of my favorite accounts to follow, Personal Finance Club on Instagram, Debt Free Mom on Instagram, Sharon Says So, she's not financial, but it's the news and it's positive. 
and just, you know, very like, this is what's going on in the world. You know, we watch, the podcasts we listen to, the books we read. And so I'm going to put together a little blog post with suggestions and I'll link it down below so that you can find some good accounts to follow, some good books to read, some good podcasts to listen to that are going to encourage you this year. Number four, stop making financial decisions based on guilt. So I did this a lot in 2020. I was looking over our holiday spending this year and just some other things. And I thought, wow, in 2020, I went off the rails like a lot because I felt the need to make up for everything that my kids had missed out on. And I decided to not do that this year. Making decisions based on guilt or other people's opinions who are hell bent on making us feel guilty we have to shut those voices out both internally and externally because they don't serve us and they don't push us towards where we want to go in our goals. Number five, we're not gonna make decisions based on fear. It's easy to get caught up in a fear spiral and fear does not push us towards making good choices. We are not empowered when we are fearful. Fear is a natural emotion. We are given fear so that, you know, we don't step over into a dangerous situation. But if the past two years have taught us anything, it's that that fear of the unknown and that what comes next can be debilitating. My um, therapist put it like this, anxiety is like opening the door into a hallway and not knowing what's at the other end of the hallway. It could be the edge of a cliff, it could be the destination we want to go to, or it could be a circle back into the room that we were just in. And I feel like a lot of us are stuck in that we're in the hallway and we don't want to go to the next door because that fear of what's on the other side is debilitating. And it's preventing us from going after that job, starting that side business, investing our money. It's, it's preventing us from doing things that are going to be life-giving because we don't know what's gonna come next. And life is a series of doors that you don't know what is behind. And at some point you just gotta open one and take a step. And those risks can be calculated and that's okay. But at some point you have to make a decision and deciding not to move is a decision. Number five, we're gonna drop this idea that investing is only for the super powerful and the super wealthy. The stock market is built on the backs of working people. It is built on the backs of people who every day go to their job and work hard to make companies successful. And you as a working person should absolutely own a piece of that pie. Statistically, the probability of you losing all of your money is very low. And yes, you may have heard a horror story from someone who lost money. But what's that saying? That the only people who get hurt in a roller coaster are the ones who get off? If you keep your money in the market and you keep investing, your likelihood of losing everything is very, very low. But if you don't invest in your future, your likelihood of not having enough money when it is time to retire and not having enough money to help the people who need to take care of you, to pay for your facilities, to pay for your medical needs, being elderly is expensive. And if you don't invest, the likelihood of you not having enough money is 100%. So choose which one you're more comfortable with. Number six, it is not an all or nothing situation. So in 2022, the maximum amount that you can put into a 401k has increased to $20,500. Our goal this year, in 2019, we maxed out my husband's 401k. 
And our goal in 2022 is to do the same thing. If you're in a situation where you, you cannot let go of an extra $20,000, it is not an all or nothing situation, which by the way, it lowers your taxable income. So it actually benefits you, but we'll talk about that in a second. If all you can do is 50, 75, $100 a paycheck, if all you can do feels really small to you, it's okay. If this is not an all or nothing game, do what you can with what you have. And when you're more comfortable and you're more stable, go from there. Number seven, do not wait until you are out of debt to start investing in retirement. I actually got a comment on a video recently that was like, no, 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 that's wrong. You don't tell people to invest when they're still in debt. They should be putting all of that money toward their debt. No, no, oh my gosh, no. That, that, whew, that gives me so much anxiety, please. Your future is not waiting. Like, it's not waiting. Your, your birthdays don't stop. You don't stop aging just because you're in debt. It's gonna very quickly come. The more, the time, that your money sits in the market is just as important as how much you're putting in. So I don't care what anyone tells you, that's bad advice. Number eight, do things that lower your taxable income, like investing in your 401k, like investing in an FSA, which is a flex savings account, or an HSA, a health savings account. All of these things are taken out pre-tax, lower your taxable income, Yes, you will pay taxes on your 401k later. You will likely be at a lower tax bracket because of your age. You will likely be at a different tax bracket then. Um, but all of that money has been invested, so you have more money. With the FSA and HSA, it is taken out pre-tax, lowers your taxable income, and then you can use that money to pay for health expenses. And ours benefited us so much this year with glasses, emergency room visits. I ended up having elective surgery to get rid of my endometriosis. hey -oh, best decision I ever made. I stood in my bathroom last week and I cried about how great my, my life is now that I don't have physical pain all of the time. Y'all, I go to the YMCA now and lift weights and get on the treadmill and do interval training that I couldn't do because when my endometriosis was at its height, I literally couldn't walk. So this is not the video, but the FSA paid for that. And I like want to send my doctor a bouquet of flowers. I'm able to walk across the room and not feel like I'm dying. Sorry about your uterus, babe. Don't ignore these pre-tax benefits that exist to help you. Number eight. Budgets exist to serve you, not the other way around. So one of the things that I hear all the time is, I can't stick to a budget because every month something comes up and it completely wrecks our budget. Your budget's not carved in stone. There needs to be some flexibility and margin here. So if something comes up and you have to rework your budget, that's fine. Erase it. <laughs> delete the spreadsheet, erase everything out of the app, erase your, rip out the notebook paper and start over, whatever you need to do, and budget, start over, start over again. It's okay, it's not a moral failing because your budget didn't work out the way that you wanted it to. Budget for things that make you feel alive, budget for things that make you happy. Yes, we don't have to spend all of our money in the treat yourself mentality, we, we get that. But if a coffee makes you feel better, 
if a gym membership makes you feel better, if a massage makes you feel better, if buying stuff at the grocery store uh, that you just enjoy that may be a little bit more expensive makes you feel better about life, do it. If the shoes, if the sweater, if the haircut, whatever, I don't know your situation, but if those are things that make you feel good about life, budget for them, okay? I was the type of person that when we were getting out of debt, we put everything we had towards our debt, and I don't regret that by any means, but that's not how everyone can function, and that's okay because you get to live a life that looks like what you want. So stop letting comparison, both in you know the debt-free community and the people you follow and comparison to people that you know in real life, rob you from, of your money and of your joy. No one wants to talk about dying and estate planning and having a will, but please get a will. Please just get a basic will. You can Google how to do it. You can find free templates. You can find what your state requires. Sit down and make a will. If you do not have life insurance, please get on that. It does not have to be super expensive. Um, we got our life insurance notifications in the mail right before the holidays, letting us know how much, like what the payout would be and all that. My husband and I both have life insurance. He has more than I do because he earns more than I do. Um, but I still need life insurance to replace my income and to take care of my children so that my husband can return to work. So please get yourself some life insurance. It does not have to be super expensive. Number, I don't know what number we're on. Emergency plans, okay. emergency funds. So I have said this a billion times. I do not believe a $1,000 starter fund is enough. I get that it's just a baby starter fund. But I also live in reality where inflation has gone through the roof and $1,000 is not going to pay for your dental procedure, uh, pay for your car to be repaired. It's not going to do any of those things. And so really, it's important for you to have more than that. I don't know what the magic number is. Uh, I always just say to the point where you're comfortable. And if you're comfortable with $1,000, that's fine. But I don't want to perpetuate this idea that $1,000 covers most emergencies because it just doesn't anymore. And, you know, we learned when everything suddenly shut down and things were hard to find and people were out of work and people lost their jobs that $1,000 just wasn't, wasn't going to cover it. So I say $1,000 base one month's like rent or mortgage and then $500 per person. Some people have a formula that they use. Some people say, you know, one to three months expenses. Just go to where you're comfortable. Number 13. Look, I promise you there are going to be 22 things on this list. We can stop counting them. Have an emergency plan. So a few weeks ago, I walked you through my emergency binder and what all we put in it. But it's really important for you to have an emergency plan where you keep your will, the information about your life insurance, where you want your kids to go, your power of attorney paperwork, how to log into your bank accounts, file a claim on your insurance, birth certificates, social security cards, pictures of your IDs. All of this needs to be in one place for a couple of reasons. One is that there is a natural disaster and you have to evacuate. All of this stuff, having it with you is going to be really helpful if your home is destroyed. 
And that is a sad reality that so many of us face where we live. There are hurricanes as I am recording this. There are wildfires in Colorado that are destroying people's homes. We're gonna see more of these. And that is the sad reality of the world that we live in now. And so having an emergency binder is really important. You can type it all out in Word document and scan your documents. You can write it in a piece of, like on a notebook a spiral bound notebook that has pockets is a good inexpensive option. And then I have some templates that I sell on my website for $4.99. So that's a really easy way to put things together. And I'll link that below. But you can find a good option that works for you. But also if something were to happen to you and your spouse needs to close out your accounts or if something were to happen to both of you and minor dependents would need to go to someone, they would need all of that information. So work on that this year. I promise that it's stressful, but then once you're done, it makes you feel better. Number 14, if you have aging parents, it is really important to sit down and have a discussion with them about their expectations for the future, what they would like to happen, where their information is. This does not need to be a taboo topic. It does not need to be something that feels foreign or strange. It can be a loving and grace-filled conversation. I had it with my parents. They told me what they expected. They told me where everything is. And if, God forbid, something were to happen, I know what they want me to do. And that's a way that I can continue to honor my parents. Don't ignore your credit in 2022. Credit is important. It's important if you need to buy a house. If you want to get auto insurance, they pull your credit to see how much you're going to pay. So don't ignore your credit. You can pull your credit report one every week through April. It may be extended. I don't know. But you can pull one from each bureau, look and make sure that the information is correct, that what is being reported is actually yours. I have written a blog post and I will link it below. But stay on top of that and do what you need to do to build good credit. Pay your bills on time. Make sure that if you're using your credit card that you're not using it too often and that you're paying it off because the amount of credit that you have available and that you use, so your credit usage, impacts your credit score. Track your net worth. Now, remember that net worth does not equal self-worth, but every month there are apps that you can use that will do this for you, or you can just do it in a simple spreadsheet. So what you're going to do is take your liabilities, that means things that you own but owe money on, and you're gonna take your assets, you're gonna add up your assets, you're gonna add up your liabilities, and then you subtract your liabilities from your assets. So your assets would be things like money that you have in the bank, money that you have invested, any properties that you own, how much equity you have in your mortgage, and then your liabilities would be things like a car payment, your debt, your mortgage payment, all of that, and you would subtract it out and see how you're doing because ideally every month you want that net worth to be going up a little bit. Take time each week to monitor your accounts. We do it every day, it's called a money minute, and I'll just log into our bank account, make sure that everything that I thought has is supposed to clear has cleared, check it against our budget. It literally takes a minute of our time and we're able to move on from there. Set yourself up with your bank to protect yourself. So I had I talked about this briefly, but we somebody hacked into my Walmart account and tried to buy a bunch of stuff. The bank flagged it immediately and texted me 
but I wasn't sure if the text was real. So I called the number on my debit card and it turned out it was real. So set yourself up to get alerts from your bank. Some banks actually have a feature where they will text you every time you spend money to let you know what your balance is, but keep an eye on your bank accounts. Look into your children's future. So here's the thing. If you have to prioritize something, you obviously need to prioritize your retirement. Um, you don't want your children to have to be taking care of you in their adult years when they're also worrying about how to pay for college for their kids. We, we want to break out of this cycle. So investing in your retirement is a gift that you give your children. But if you have money left over and you want to invest in your children's future, we have 529 accounts for our kids. We are very happy with how they are doing. You can invest in 529 accounts outside of the state where you live. Under no circumstances would I ever invest in a 529 account managed by the state of Alabama. We, I actually went to college on something called uh, PACT, prepaid affordable college tuition. So when I was a kid, my parents were able to put in a little bit of money for my tuition and I was locked into a price. And when I went to college, they didn't have to pay more because you know college every year just expounds. I ended up getting scholarships and my money my parents actually got their money refunded back to them so that was exciting but that that situation was so poorly managed that it went bankrupt. Setting up some sort of college savings program a 529 account or something does benefit you and the reason that I love 529s is that I can use it for any educational expense. So if one day I decide I want to put my kids in private high school, I, I'm not saying that that is my plan, but I could. Or, you know, my kid gets a scholarship. Great, but we still need to pay for books, boarding, and a laptop. We can pay for that. Or if a child doesn't want to pursue traditional higher education, but they do need to pursue some sort of training program, it pays for that. And we can actually transfer it to another child. Or if I decided I wanted to go get a master's degree transferred to me. Like it pays for any educational expense. Figure out how much you need to retire. So a good rule of thumb is your current take-home pay times 25. So we did that math and it ended up being about $3 million. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> Makes my teeth hurt. I don't know why. So we realized we had to up our game. So see what that number is for you. Okay, so I hope this gives you some great ideas of how to set your 2022 off on the right foot and make some great plans. I'm really proud of you. You're doing such a good job hanging in there, doing the best you can. And so I see you and I am proud of you and I hope that you are proud of yourself. Thank you for being here and thank you for spending time with me. I appreciate every single one of you who takes the time to listen to this podcast. Thank you to every single one of you who has left a review. If you had not left a review, that is how people find the show. Just swipe over the artwork. Leave me some words. Thank you for encouraging me. I hope this has been an encouragement to you, and I'll talk to you soon.